Quantum Kickflip is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Previously on Quantum Kickflip. You guys are going to need to access the mother console. It's the only way to to send out something simultaneously to every device. It's, it's a security feature. It's located inside of Tristan's private office. You'd need Tristan's personal M phone that she like carries with her. If we can get there, I think I might be able to get the phone. Elliot, Nick, get down, get down. Whoa, did you know your mom was gonna be here? No, I did not know my mom was gonna be here because we are not really talking right now. We're just letting each other do whatever we want (laughs) and that has not clearly come back to bite me in the ass. Intruders detected, self-destruct sequence initiated. Oh. Oh. And we're gonna start a danger track here Anytime we get a failure, uh, it's going to mark the track of boom. <laughs> uh, you got four letters to get out of this dimension. <laughs> and this like friendly looking humanoid robot, it's sort of like its whole chassis sort of rotates and flips back on itself and goes from being like bipedal to like the arms fold back and up and around and it's now on all fours. And you have triggered uh, this uh, this personal assistance liaison bot has transformed into a predatory assault legion bot. Um, Pal has two meetings. (laughs) You find yourself in a room uh, full of computer consoles, dimly lit, um, and just as it maybe dawns on you of like, okay, where do we even begin to look? uh, You notice a a big reinforced door labeled Vault. Savitri lets out a cheer as she ramps off the skull and hurdles back toward the ring, directly into a crowd of Miper robots, firing wildly with a gravity beam and her ray gun. The High Forester smiles and slowly rises to his feet. The battle isn't over yet. It's a it's a receipt for a payment made out to your mom from my burr. Nick, it's $10,000. I thought this was going gi- to give me something. I, I thought I was going fi- to find a lead here. I- We're not out of the woods yet. Maybe there's more answers with Tristan Voss. Oh, no, you're definitely not out of the woods yet. And you all turn to see that Miper employee flanked by two pal bots on all fours that begin to advance towards you. Everybody and welcome back to Quantum Kickflip, a Slug Blaster actual play podcast. My name is Robin. I am your host. I am your Slug Master, and with me are five of my best and funniest friends in the whole world, and they're going to introduce themselves for you now. Uh, I want you to introduce yourselves in the order of uh, what's the biggest thing that your character has gotten in trouble for. Uh, and as always, let's go mildest to wildest. Go. <laughs> is this like excluding slug blasting? Because all of us have gotten in pretty. Pretty big trouble for slug blasting. <laughs> Let's go excluding. Let's go like other other areas of your life. Uh, hi, my name is Glenna Showalter. I play Elliot Buchanan. She is the chill playbook. Uh, she uses the Voidware backpack where she keeps a variety of things, including her guitar, because she is an aspiring singer-songwriter who has a cool band called Paula the Ape Woman. And uh, I think I've established that her family is really chill, uh, much like her. And so, I don't know. Like, I think she sneaked out one time. And got in trouble for it, like it wasn't a big deal. That's yeah. <laughs> Elliot comes by her chill, honestly. That makes sense. I could see my character being next. And that <laughs> is because I am Michael Vetch, who plays Nicklo, the Smarts Playbook. He's a he's an anime loving sword wielded adventure boy, but 
a lot of the time he also just is a g- good study little little go to school does his homework lad and he, he doesn't really do that much to 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 get in trouble outside of this whole slug blasting thing um <laughs> but i think maybe one time he uh he accrued a lot of library late fees just because he was so engrossed by a book that he had to read it again once he finished it. Oh, very good. Very Nick. <laughs> Cute. Uh, hi, I'm Liam. I play Lake Marsden. She's the Hearts playbook. Uh, she's got a glitched out right half uh, thanks to a backfiring reality cannon, her signature weapon. Uh, and I think uh, uh, at some point in her youth, around like nine or ten years old, uh, took a took a magnet to the TV because she thought it looked cool in like a weird foreshadowing of the glitch that would eventually uh, befall her. She she <laughs> screwed around with magnets on a cathode ray tube television, and uh, uh, I think yeah, she bricked a whole TV. Uh, <laughs> not not knowing. Oh so. no. Uh, my name is David Ray, and uh, uh, I play Chester Capone, the Grip Playbook, uh, who has powered armor. And, uh, uh, of course, he's gotten in trouble over the years, sort of by accident a lot. But what, the worst was back when he was in Philadelphia, uh, he and some of his friends got into uh, backyard wrestling a lot. <laughs> Just, you know, you're in the backyard, you're jumping off the roofs and uh, falling through tables and everything. And uh, he got in trouble, not, not because of the, the wrestling or that he was endangering uh, other children, uh, but uh, it was because his entrance music was born in the USA, and uh, Bruce Springsteen found out, and it caused a kerfuffle. <laughs> it got, like, it was litigious, like, right away. Uh, uh, and it was just like, uh, the boss though, I thought you were on our side and it was in this world, Bruce Springsteen sued a child, sued a child, just will not hold back. Uh, and I mean, not this Bruce Springsteen. And I have to say that for legal reasons. So, uh, (laughs) we don't get sued here. So. Uh, hello, my name is Lena Anderson, and I play Angus Franklin. He is the Guts playbook with the Skip Mode Runners. Um, and, I mean, canonically, Angus has always been a bit of a troublemaker. It's been established that he was uh, pulled out of school uh, at one point. I think he's always been just, like, kind of generally disruptive. But I think the thing that, like, cinched it and got him homeschooled was... Um, so there's school buildings, right? And then sometimes there's portable buildings, like they're called portables. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're basically mm-hmm. just like the building is the classroom. And he uh, uh, climbed up on the roof on a dare <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, 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 didn't come down uh, until they called the fire department and then he came down. <laughs> I was I was buckled up for something much wilder. I, I thought he like... <laughs> blew one up or something. And And then the fire department sued him. And then the fire department sued him, yeah. Bruce Springsteen sued him somehow. I don't know. I don't know what his damage even was. In in this universe, Bruce Springsteen's song Stuck on a Roof has existed for a long time under heavy copyright law. (laughs) Yeah, Angus also got sued by Bruce Springsteen. Very good. Bruce Springsteen and his legal team showed up at your door and were like, hey, little boy, is your daddy home? And then he was like, like, no, he's not. And he punched Bruce Springsteen in the face. 
Hell yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, and finally, I am Robin. As I said, I'm your host. I'm your uh, Slugmaster. And uh, I was also the kind of kid uh, like Nick that d- didn't get in a lot of trouble and was, was a, a pretty by the rules kind of kid. But one time I got sent to the principal's office because I had a weed leaf on my t-shirt. Because <laughs> uh, it was from a hemp product store. It wasn't even a, a like pro marijuana shirt. I just... Yeah, with the family I had, we had shopped at a hemp shop at one point, and I got one that had a weed leaf in the logo. Uh, I had to cover it up with masking tape for the rest of the day. True story. <laughs> and as we all know, <laughs> Bruce Springsteen holds the trademarks for any weed leaf shaped product. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, the yeah. problem. It was litigious right away. But Bruce Springsteen was your principal, and he didn't like this at all. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, last time around, you guys got yourselves in a whole mess of trouble. Half of you were in Miper's secret extra-dimensional research facility on Dimension M. Uh, you battled your way through a reality simulation, uh, some sort of a, a training program for Miper AI, uh, and managed to bust your way out into uh, the facility proper. Meanwhile, in the headquarters, uh, you were snooping around trying to find intel. Um, you uh, had some startling revelations and are now in an archive, uh, but have been discovered. Uh, I'm on the edge of my seat, and I bet our audience is as well. So let's get back into it. Y'all ready to play? Some slug blaster. Yeah! Yes, indeed. Blast some slugs! Ah, then I transport you now to Miper headquarters. So... Lake, Elliot, and Nick, uh, you find yourselves, you're in the archive. Uh, Nick had just flattened an, an, a, a like research orb with his new sword ability, turned it two-dimensional uh, using a, new, a newly unlocked sword maneuver. You had made a bit of a startling discovery in regards to a payment made by Miper to Nick's mom. Um, but before you even had a chance to process that, uh, you were interrupted uh, by the elevator doors opening, revealing a Miper employee who you recognize from the doorways tour, uh, along with two of the predatory assault legion robots uh, who are advancing towards you threateningly. What do you do? Uh, so, so Robin, I was, I was going to ask you uh, all sorts of questions about perhaps where these robots were made. Um, but I, 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 I thought about it and I think both Lake and Liam is just gonna, gonna assume he's gonna do it and you can, you can sort out what it means, uh, for these robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have one ability I have yet to ever use on the old reality canon. Uh, uh, I struggled to uh, name it in previous episodes, uh, but, uh, I'm ready to use it now. The causal switch. Uh, I am going to try to force this, uh, pal to peel back home. Oh boy. That is... An interesting conundrum because were these robots manufactured here in in Null? <laughs> if that's the case, then this causal switch might be completely ineffective. But were they manufactured in, say, an extra dimensional research facility uh, that Mifer keeps on the books? In that case, uh, maybe this will be very effective. And I think there's only one way to decide, uh, which is to get you to roll and uh, and let the dice do the talking. So, uh, yeah, yeah, let's get a roll for that. Add whatever you're adding, and, and let's see how this goes for Lake. So I think I'm going to uh, just use uh, an extra 
uh, die and roll with two dice here. I'll throw before you before you do that roll. Um, let me know: Are you targeting just one of them, or are you trying to get both? And if so, I think that's going to take a kick to target both. Just one of them. Okay. I got a I got a buddy with a sword next to me here. That's uh, fair. And I rolled my as you were saying that I rolled my two dice uh, a six. Oh, beautiful. Nice. Yeah, uh, this pal robot is is advancing towards you. I think we described it as like they were sort of like bipedal, helpful, friendly robots uh, roaming around the halls of Miper. But when they were uh, sent after you, they sort of folded back over top of themselves and became quadrupedal sort of hunter uh, killer assassin robot things down on all fours. Uh, so this thing is advancing towards you, and I think <laughs> one of them like launches itself and kind of pounces forward into a bit of a sprint. Um, yep. And it's it's gaining, it's bearing down on you, uh, but Lake raises her reality cannon and describes to me this this shot. Uh, Lake fires uh, this thing, and it doesn't come out as like a fun ball of energy like the other ones. This lob shot looks like a black hole. Oh, awesome! Oh. And she fires, and I think it misses. Like initially misses uh, this thing that's like a scampering, kind of uh, pouncing towards her, uh, and then just as it goes to pounce and like get in her face, it starts getting sucked backwards by wherever the lob shot landed mm-hmm. and uh unless you want to tell me otherwise this uh th- if this thing starts getting sucked towards where the lob shot lob shop landed yeah it's 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 scrabbling along the floor trying to get purchased but this thing uh the lob shot pulls it in uh and it's sort of like it it, it almost looks like it's getting smaller and collapsing in on itself and then before you can even sort of make sense of what's happening with the physics of this, it is gone. Both the lob and the robot just completely disappear. <laughs> I think we'll find out where that robot ended up. I'm yeah. quite sure of it. Um, but in the meantime, um, you've uh, successfully eliminated one of these. Uh, Lake, Lake Shrugs makes eye contact with uh, the uh, Miper employee who sort of sicked these robots on us and she just like gives like a smirk and a, sm- uh, a shrug yeah i think the miper employee uh goes reaching for her like she, she's a little startled by this i think she really thought she had the upper hand she was flanked by two two death machines and you are three teenagers uh i think she felt pretty good about her odds but seeing how quickly you dispatch one of them completely uh she's sort of reaching for her m phone as if to uh call for some backup uh, but this was a complete success. I'm not going to, she has, yeah. isn't able to do that yet, but you, you can see that intent. Elliot and Nick, what is your, what is your move in this moment? I mean, I just have a ray gun. That's boring. <laughs> you got Yeah, ray guns too. are boring. Famously boring ray guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I would like to use my uh, chaos vent to turn my bag into a one-way portal to a randomly selected world. Beautiful. <laughs> Is that something you have to roll to do? In order to turn the bag into the portal, I just have to mark a boost. I would understand if you would want me to roll to see if I could actually uh, foop the beast. Butterfly net him. Yeah, I think mark your boost to turn it into the portal, and then, yeah, I think that's only fair. We're going to need a roll to see if you can uh, net this thing. Feel free to add anything you want to from the backpack, as that is the ability you're using, or from your own playbook. Uh, yeah, well, my own playbook is I always roll with one plus dice, so I'm rolling two dice unless we have all our hype die back. We do. Mm-hmm. Can I have a hype die, please? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I am rolling three dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, there is doubles in there, so I look really cool. 
Uh, but the highest is a three. Ooh, that's a, Ooh. That's a complete failure. Yep. Ooh, no. Also, this might be relevant to you. I rolled a d12 before this, and I rolled a 12. Ah, to show what uh, dimension you've opened a portal to. Yep. Yes, that is very relevant to me. You go to engage this chaos vent to turn your bag into a one-way portal to a randomly selected world. Uh, and I think where the nature of this failure comes through, because you marked your boost, it does turn into a portal. The failure to net this thing comes from which uh, world you've opened a portal to. Um, your bag starts spewing forth water, uh, a jet stream of, of water, as though you've opened to a portal, uh, a portal to a dimension that is made of infinite water. Um, and so you've like popped a hole in that dimension and it's slowly leaking into your dimension. Oh dear. Um, much like the, the pool scenario from a couple episodes back, uh, hilarious <laughs> enough. And I think you maybe go to try and, and close this off and, and, you know, prevent yourself from flooding the room. Uh, but before you can, the, uh, the complication from this failure, not only do you not net this robot, uh, but a tentacle comes snaking out of your bag, <laughs> uh, and you can't seem to... So now you're dealing with a robot and a tentacle here, because you can't seem to close the bag. The tentacle is holding the portal open, uh, and it is lashing out at your friends, uh, as well as you. Um, as well as the robot, I guess. Like, it's, it's the tentacle doesn't care who it hits, so it's an equal opportunity uh, hazard in the room now. <laughs> Um, but yes, that is going to be your complication here. Uh, for for the sake of the audience, people might think that this is from Desneen, like the the the, the water uh, planet. Uh, no, it's actually from Kev Kevin Costner's Waterworld, and that's mm. what's coming through. Yeah, <laughs> canonically uh, a dimension in Slug Blaster. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and and a well known disaster. So yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, I would like to nope that. Okay. <laughs> not because I don't That joke love... or the, the scenario? <laughs> it's not Waterworld, it's Desneen. I know your Waterworld joke. <laughs> no, I don't want to nope that the tentacle happens. I want to nope that mm -hmm. it does that it's flailing indiscriminately. Oh. Can okay. I do that? Oh. What what how do you want it to be flailing? Uh basically I want to <laughs> yank on the drawstrings of the bag in such a way that I can kind of wield it like a weapon. <laughs> oh, that's that's too good to not allow, but it's also, it was a complete oh failure of a roll, so I think this just needs to have a cost of some kind. Like, you're marking sure. trouble to nope the consequence. Mm -hmm. I, I gotta let's say trouble in a kick, uh, and sure. I'll let you do this. Yes. Uh, I'll happily do that. <laughs> uh, sweet, Elliot has unlocked uh, her second signature device, uh, which is a giant tentacle <laughs> flailing out of her, her first signature device. While this chaos and pandemonium is happening, uh, Nick, you've been awfully quiet. Yeah, I think initially, uh, as as the employee and the, and the Palabots Palbots? Pal pals. Yeah. Pal robo robo pals. Yeah, they, they go by. They'll they'll answer to all of them, yeah. Um <laughs> as 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 the as they've come walking in, uh Nick was just sort of still sitting down on the ground on his knees, just like kinda hunched over. He wasn't moving, he didn't really react. Uh but now with all this pandemonium of the water and the tentacle, uh if anyone were to look back, the the space on the floor that he had been occupying is is suddenly empty. Ooh. Uh, and you, you said this uh, Miper employee was reaching for for her phone, right? Yeah. Again, uh, has has not actually managed to call for backup or alert anyone, um, but has been uh, clearly looks looks cagey, and and that seems to be top of mind for her. Yes. Okay. Almost as if the first person to roll poorly enough might trigger that happening. 
<laughs> I want to activate an ability mm-hmm. that some folks are probably familiar with. A little thing called Plane Haunt. Oh, yeah. In which I split myself into two me's, mm-hmm. and then there's two of them. Doing stuff typically requires kick. Okay. I'm hoping both of them can go forward to attack a target, one of them being a robot and the other being the phone. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You have split yourself into two semi, semi-translucent nicks. Which one do we want to resolve first, the phone or the robot? Or do you, is this plan contingent on them happening at the same time? Yes. <laughs> Let's resolve them both, baby. Yes. How do we figure out the dice situation for this? Uh, so you're just you're attacking each of them. Is that what's what's yes. happening? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're going to have to make a roll for each. Um, you haven't said exactly what you're trying to do, other than to, like the generic attack. I, I feel yeah. like if it's making use of your signature or any of your abilities that we, we probably need a kick to make that happen. Um, gotcha. But I think it also kind of depends on what it is you're trying to do. Uh, I think in both situations, it'll be a case of using the outsoles to sort of move around. They're both sort of in that ghostly form as well. Uh, but then it comes down to just like doing an attack with the sword. Gotcha. Yeah. Then let's say let's get you to mark one kick for the the two attacks. OK. And then. We'll need two rolls. Uh, okay, so each roll has one die currently. Um, I want to, for one roll, uh, I'm going to take a dare. So that'll give me two more d6 on one roll. I will then, for the other roll, I want, I'm want. i going to add two d6 to that as well through Technobabble. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> In which once per round I can explain something extremely technical, the fun jargon, and get 2d6 to the roll. So each roll will be 3d6, with, and there's the kick to make both of so that both of them can go. I love Got it. This. Let's let's get these rolls. All right. Uh, and state which one you're rolling for first so we know which one passes or fails, should there be a pass or a fail. Um, here comes the phone roll. That is a five. Ooh, mixed success. Okay. Here comes the robot roll. A six. Beautiful. Um, I'm going to let you take the reins here. Uh, There will be at least one complication in play, um, but you tell me how this plays out. Yeah, so I think for a split second, Nick is sitting there on the floor. Uh, The water is gushing and this big tentacle whips out and we see it sort of swipe across the middle of the the frame of the shot. And as it passes by, it's moved on and now two Nicks are standing up beside each other (laughs) and immediately dart off in opposite directions. And they're weaving, jumping past this big tentacle, starting to hop and run up along uh, all all the archive boards and and cabinets in, in the room. And we can hear uh, the techno babble comes in the form of this internal monologue, but it's mirrored as as uh, these two Nicks both talking through the plan, but sort of flipping back and forth between them. Right, Nick. Phase dashes through a bank of server racks, uncoupling the supports and sending a unit toppling over as he phases out. The immediate threat in the room is that frenzied palbot. If we take out that robo thug, it'll give us some much-needed breathing room to regroup. But. Lefnik scurries up the length of a thrashing tentacle and uses its momentum to catapult himself up onto the wayward server block before springboarding off of it into a crouched position up on the ceiling, simultaneously dousing the floor in the Desnine outflow. But equally, that M-phone could call up even more techno flunkies, which could overwhelm our strike team and quash the whole mission! So, righty, Wool jumps into a long slide across the slick archive flooring. 
So with both threats analyzed, and adequate distraction vectors engaged, Link and Elliot should be able to hold their focus long enough for us to reach positions and open up a split-second window for a coordinated stealth attack! At which point, they both pop out of their sort of half-ghosted form and shout, Negatana Sixth Form Pincer! Astral Twin Blade Assassins! And then both uh, Nicks lunge down Negatana Mark II's <laughs> in hand. One pierces through the chassis of the robot, and the other knocks the flip phone with the flat blade into the air and then cuts it into its consecutive two halves. Ah, <laughs> uh, beautiful. Did Were you looking cool on that? Ah, fuck. I'm gonna <laughs> step in and say you, Marcus style, that nice. there is no way that what you just described objectively didn't look cool. There's There's no way. Um, so, Mr. GM, may, may I also retroactively look cool for my thing? Because <laughs> I always forget. Uh, I opened the door, didn't I? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Elliot, you want to get in on this? Uh, I already got some style for it. You got style for doubles, right? <laughs> yeah. It's the last time. That's the last time I give away uh, any style to any of you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> the one... You described it as like the the phone is chopped into the two pieces. Uh, Has the robot similarly been bisected there? That one I pictured more as like a stab directly through it. And then maybe, uh, because that one was the six. So I think that Nick like backflips off the robot as, and when he pulls the sword out, it just like blows up or something. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. um, I like the idea just because part of the, uh, part of the thing you're doing here is trying to uh, not raise any alarm. Uh, so no big explosion. I think it just sort of mm. uh, crumples down and, and clearly deactivates. It's the flip phone roll that w- that needs a complication. So I think this yes. Miper employee looks at you and says, what the hell? That was my phone, man. I got like pictures of my kids on there and stuff. What, what are you doing? Do you not have the data backed up? Yeah, you work for Miper. They literally own the cloud. Yeah, well, it's not the. I just, I just finished paying off that thing. It, it doesn't matter. What, what the? Why are you slicing my phone in half? They make you pay for your own phone here. We get a discount. That's not the issue. <laughs> what I like, okay, robots. I understand, but what did my phone ever do to you? <laughs> is the complication just that the employee is disgruntled? I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want, she wants to know why you sliced her phone. What well, I, I couldn't risk you. Uh, calling for for more robots or anything. I we're clearly not supposed to be here. Oh, you didn't want me to to call for backup. You didn't want me to alert Tristan Voss to your presence here. It's very specifically that exact. You think told me where to find you? Oh no. Yeah, the great thing about these M phones, you know, they they have all these cool features like you know backing up data to the cloud. Like you said, they got a they got a great camera. They also have location software enabled on them, and all three of you are packing state-of-the-art Miper tech right now. So uh, whose bright idea was it to try and break into a Miper facility while carrying Miper-branded tracking devices on your person? It was a team effort. (laughs) (laughs) So what happens now? Is it possible to nope with a flashback? I believe so. Uh, Yeah, you gotta gotta mark the trouble and then you... uh, you can absolutely employ the flashback do, mechanic. Do I mark the two normal trouble as well as the flashback trouble? So here's what I'll say. Uh, noping generally costs two trouble. Yes. And the flashback mechanic we had established would cost one, and that would allow you to sort of retroactively set up something. 
So I think that's the the trouble here is if you want to uh, go back in time to retroactively set something up, um, we're going to need to mark one trouble for the flashback and two for the nope. Uh, so as long as you're willing to mark the trouble for that, uh, yes, you can you can pull this off. Uh, could, I could help with the noping uh, because I only mark one trouble when I use the nope ability. Oh, that would be very good because otherwise I would be full on my trouble. <laughs> that would trigger your disaster roll. So yes, I, I am okay with you uh, sharing this across the two of you. That's also interesting to know that you're that close to filling your trouble. Let's see if we can uh, use that to our advantage. <laughs> um, but take us into this flashback, Nick. I think it, it yeah it jumps back to that same sort of planning meeting that it, we were all having with 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 Juniper and maybe even Juniper mentions like looking at the specs of all our different Miper tech and like p- part of everything that was looking into it she was able to find that oh these actually do have uh, some sort of a GPS a, a tracker mechanic to them and and Nick is able to take the time to go in and and find that chip maybe he even like doesn't like deactivate them, but manages to set them up so they're pinging false locations still in null. Yeah, Juniper's uh, at this meeting with you all and is like, well, I, th- I think that pretty much covers everything that you guys will need. I mean, we're going to be using the M phones for communication while you're inside, and they do technically have location software on them, but like, what are the odds that they would be monitoring your location to, to try and find out where you are? I think it's probably fine if we just leave that on, right? Um... Considering how they were manipulating us as a team before, I I think very probable. High, high probability. High, mm-hmm. highly probable, yeah. Uh, and with that, <laughs> Nick is able to go in and, and uh, hack them to... Uh, and since you're spending all of this trouble to, to do so, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll allow for... Uh, not only are you able to disengage it uh, from showing where you actually are, you're, you're able to uh, set up a false uh, lead there. So let's... Uh, the, you've, you've effectively warped time a little bit here uh we go back to our current scene uh but but a few seconds before uh to the miper employee going hey hey what why'd you slice my phone man come on that's my phone oh probably because i would want to call for backup and and alert everyone to your presence here since i'm the only one who knows that since you know your phones don't have any location ability on them uh yeah no that's fair actually i understand why you did that that makes total sense yes absolutely that now freeze, or, or you'll get the tentacle, right, Elliot? Yeah. <laughs> Elliot, uh, can, can I just get a, a brief? How are you brandishing this? Like, what does this look like? Um, it's a little bit like reins on a horse, I think. <laughs> like the each drawstring is, <laughs> is functioning, and it's kind of like she's holding it back as best she can, and it's kind of like it's still flailing around, but kind of like inertly. Right now, but if she lets go, oh boy. Um, yeah. Also, Lake, you know, Lake's there and and sees how you're holding it, and you know, you've now also got a weapon that you hold at waist level with your arms kind of low, and your 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 long tube like waist high weapon is longer than hers, and it's it's, it's a brief, <laughs> <laughs> brief penis envy, a little bit of tentacle envy, yeah, 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 a little tentacle envy. <laughs> Um, I hate that this is happening now that you've made that uh, comparison, but this, yeah, this tentacle sort of uh, uh, reaches out and just, uh, like, slides along one side of this Miper employee's face, and she's like, oh, oh, okay, uh, what, do you, what, what do you want from me? I, I like, you've, you've taken out my robots, you've sliced my phone, I'm no threat to you, can I, can I go? What, what happens now? Take us to Tristan's office. What? I don't, 
I, I can't do that. You, you, like, I, I work for Tristan. I, she's not going to. Fine. Call her to a different floor while we go to her office. Um. Y- yeah, okay. Uh, with what? And she stares down at the <laughs> two broken halves of her phone. <laughs> Surely you can ping her from an access terminal or something here, right? Yeah, isn't there a, isn't there a you know big uh, circle formerly sphere laying on the <laughs> ground? Uh, the the research drone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think she looks there and is like, "All right, fine. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll uh, you know what? I'm due back at the the doorways demonstration. I'll 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 tell her that we something's going on down there. I'll I'll, I'll tell her she needs to come and look at that that weird window or something. Good. And the tentacle. The tentacle, like, pats her face softly. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guys want in Miss Voss's office? What are you going to do? That probably goes about the pay grade of someone who has to pay for their own phone. (laughs) (laughs) It's cold. (laughs) Um, I love this. I want to get one final roll from this scene. You've made it clear what you want this Miper employee to do. Um, and you've you've uh, spent the resources to you know take away her her immediate her as an immediate threat, um, but I I think we need a roll just to determine how well you've intimidated her here. How like is she going to do what you've asked to the letter here? Because you're taking a lot on faith if you're letting her walk out of this room. So I think with that we may need a roll just to see how this plays out. But perhaps there's a way that I don't know someone heartfelt could could really speak the truth about the whole situation to this employee and and oh. convince them not through through intimidation that we're actually doing we're the good guys yeah i can make that role uh um uh, lake can make that role um please miss what uh what does her name tag say uh ooh, it doesn't matter but i have it in my notes so i'm gonna look for it <laughs> her name is shannon I'm glad we spent the time to find that out. <laughs> Hi, uh, Shannon, is it? I can see your name, take Shannon. Look, I, I know this is, this is you know, a very aggressive and, and we're definitely not supposed to be here, but I promise you we're, we're not, we're not just causing trouble. We're, we're, we're trying to find something that, that's really important to us. And well, we don't have a lot of time to explain, but I, I, I promise you this, this is nothing sinister. We're not, we're not criminals. We're, we're a little in over our head and we got to see it through to the end. Let's get a roll. I'm going to add a die from my heart playbook, not the reality canon. Uh, may I take a hype die? Yeah. yeah. Ooh, uh, a four was the highest. Okay. I don't know if we see the complication that from that play out. Um, it, is, it is a mixed success, so you have uh, succeeded in what you were attempting to do, which is convince her to do what you've asked. And, and I think we'll see that complication play out down the line. I, she makes her way over to the elevator and says, uh, right, she's uh, she's not likely to be happy about having to leave her office. That's kind of where she likes to hang out. She doesn't really like associating with, you know, the rest of us. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make my strongest case to bring her down, but, but I can't promise that I'll be able to keep her there for long. So I guess whatever you're doing, do it fast. We appreciate it. Bye, Shannon. Close. Um, Tentacle waves goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) And the elevator doors close and you see it descend.
wave ripples out, sending a crowd of Miper robots flying in all directions, and revealing the High Forester standing behind them, holding a handful of small silver orbs and scanning for his next target. It takes him a moment, the tide of the battle is turned, and while the steady stream of robots hasn't yet abated, the Arborists, along with some unexpected extra-dimensional help from the Phase Dragon and Jet Collective, have managed to dispatch the Miper hordes as quickly as they've arrived. The High Forester smiles, allowing himself to dare to hope. But that's when he notices something unusual. The Miper robots aren't advancing. In fact, most of them are retreating, gathering around the mouth of the portal. For a moment, he thinks they might have given up, but he soon realizes with shock and horror what's really going on. Slowly, one by one, the Miper robots are fusing together, climbing up one another and contorting into unusual shapes, steadily assembling themselves into a massive humanoid form. The Miper Megabot reaches out with arms made of hundreds of smaller robots, grappling the Phase Dragon and hurling it back through its own portal into Caloria. The robot's torso swings around, and with a scream of servos, it brings its massive fist down upon the giant glass ring, shattering it into thousands of jagged shards and sending the arborists sailing into the void. Chester and Angus, when last we saw you, uh, you had just made your way out of the simulation and into the sort of main control room area. Uh, there's a bunch of computer consoles. Uh, everything is very dimly lit, and you had found a large metal door labeled Vault. I want to uh, introduce one more quick thing here. As you're standing there and and staring at this door in front of you, Chester, I think it's your receptive ability that catches this. You notice that while most of the uh, displays in this room, the computer displays show bits of code or, you know, open windows or whatever, no- nothing particularly interesting, you, you notice one that is a video feed. Um, it just kind of catches the corner of your eye. And when you walk over to it, I think you see th- a similar scene to what we've described uh, pl- that ha- as playing out in Prismatia. You see this clash happening between the Arborists and the Miper uh, robots. And you uh, you notice that uh, that you've got a live feed of this going on, uh, of what's happening in Prismatia. And according to this feed, um, is it obvious who is dominating over the other? Uh, I don't think you can say for certain. I think just the scope of it, like you get the sense that you're seeing this from the perspective of a Miper robot. And it's just, it's it's a confused mess of arborists and robots and it's it's very hard to like you're, you're not getting an aerial view of the battle sure. uh warcraft or starcraft style you're you're very much in the thick of it so it it is really hard to tell um you you kind of as you watch you kind of get the sense of oh like maybe the arborists are doing pretty good oh no that one just got just destroyed oh no oh maybe they're not doing so good um but it it seems to be kind of going back and forth oh um Angus, we should probably hurry. Um, uh, oh. Angus has Lake's space-time ampimeter out. We had established in the first episode that she had given it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, like, running it ever since the self-destruct sequence and they safely got out of the simulation room. He's mm-hmm. checking it to see um, what their potential exit could be. Obviously, they still need to get the armor out, um, but he wants to make sure that their exit is secure. Yeah. I'm not even going to make you roll for this. Um you you find uh you get a ping pretty quickly uh and it maybe it's not visible from right where you're standing um but you know you you make your way down a short corridor and look around a corner and there is a pretty clearly marked 
entrance exit doorway almost like an airlock type situation um but it, you're you're confident like you're and the ampameter confirms that that is your your passage back into null that should miper employees ever need to uh come into this facility you get the sense that it is very machine run and yeah. uh and uh a lot of ai involved here um you were in mm-hmm. some sort of a training program that seemed to be running scenarios for AI to help them learn to survive in different dimensions and whatnot. You have the sense that it's very robot run, yeah. but there is also obviously access here uh, for for people from Null to come through. Uh, I'm going to give you one more thing with that, though, because I, I love how perfectly this plays in. Um, yeah. As you come back to tell Chester this, I think you've still got the epimeter out, and you happen to sort of swing it past the vault door, and you get readings that you've never seen before when it's pointed towards the vault it it the the needle goes flying back and forth or the little dial spins around we've never established how the epimeter works but whatever it is uh it's it's beeping and vibrating or pinging i don't know what it does but whatever it does it's doing a lot of it whoa 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 weird oh that's a lot of noises and movements oh no yeah, this vault is some kind of messed up pocket in a pocket, maybe? Oh, no. Angus looks over at the computer console and he says, Uh, I have what might be a really stupid idea. Do you think you can handle the vault door? Yeah, I've, I, absolutely. I mean, um, shouldn't we want to go with like a, a really smart idea, though? Nick isn't here, dude. You got me. You work with what you got. I appreciate that. You got it. I'm on the vault door. And like uh, Chester goes towards the door and uh, tries to like find a way maybe using um, uh, the kind of like laser that's in the armor to help uh, separate a little bit of the vault door from uh, the frame and try to use that as like a an avenue to like pull the door open. Yeah, uh, I love this. Um, I also am curious what Angus is up to, what this stupid idea is. But I think now is as good a time as any for me to remind you of the stakes involved here, because in the mm-hmm. previous room in the simulation, you guys had a mixed success or a, or a failure at some point that triggered a complication, which was a self-destruct sequence. Uh, we started a danger clock countdown, uh, which was the word boom, four letters. And when that fills, bad things happen. Now, you guys have not marked any of that track yet. You made it out of the last episode relatively unscathed. I think the progress clock that we've set up here represents like you don't know. It's it's not doing the thing from a movie where it's like counting down the seconds out loud over a speaker system. You're not sure how long you have. Um, and that's that's why we're using the the boom counter is is it could be any amount of time but when you fill that last uh box that's that's when it's going to go off um so keep in mind as you're going into these that um anything less than a complete success is going to move that clock forward you oh, you can spend as much time here and attempt as many things as you want but you need to know that that every attempt comes with a lot of risk hmm. that said uh I, I want to get a roll from Chester, but let's check in with Angus. Angus, what are you attempting to do here? Angus is going to go to this computer console that has this camera feed into Prismatia. Mm-hmm. This camera feed has to be coming from something. So the first thing that he's going to experiment with is seeing if he can switch the feed around. And that's going to confirm for him that maybe it's jumping from robot to robot. 
And if he has access to the camera feeds of the robots, maybe he has access to more and maybe he can shut them down. I love this. Um, you know what? I'm not even, we're not even going to get a roll for the first step. You are indeed able to switch perspectives between robots and you get a sense that wherever these robots are and, and whatever system they're operating on, whatever art- artificial intelligence powers them, there is some connection between the robots in Prismatia and the station you currently find yourself in. Um, and so it stands to reason that you might be able to have an impact on them. If you want to do more than look, that's where we're going to need to get a roll. Uh, Angus is going to uh, start trying stuff. Uh, his big concern is he wants to make sure he's not just killing the camera feed. He's actually killing the thing. Um, but yeah, that's his goal is to try and trigger a shutdown of one or more robots. Beautiful. Chester, let's jump back over to you. Uh, you wanted to try and laser open this door, Yeah. Yeah, uh, laser it just enough to, like, melt uh, either the door or the frame a little bit uh, so that I can get my, you know, my armored fingers in there to be able to, like, start pulling them apart, if that makes sense. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Let's get a roll for that. Is that using your weapon systems on your armor? What what are you employing there? Uh, I I, I suppose this would be using... um, my danger arc. I can't imagine anything else. I know that's not really a thing that would melt anything. Maybe with prolonged exposure, though. Let's let's get that roll to see if you're able to sort of uh, MacGyver your way into this vault. I think you see on the front of it, it's got like a little um, a glass panel that you imagine if you were a Miper robot, you could walk up and sort of activate that wirelessly and it would uh, allow you entry. Um, but you don't have a key card you don't have uh an infrared scanner thingy like you have you have no way of triggering that so this is this is your solution to this problem and it's a very chester solution and i love it i'm going to take a dare the idea of it being i'm taking the danger arc and kind of maybe like using it to like send the electricity in there so uh yeah getting one trouble with the dare to get an extra die I'm also going to uh, use another die from my grit. The idea of it being like, oh, this might actually be feeding back into me because the danger arc I've always seen as like an electricity based thing. So it's it might be feeding back into the armor somehow in a negative way. But that's where my grit to hold hold fast. So I'm able to pull it uh, at the right moment. I love that. All right. Here we go. Uh, I do get a six in there. Beautiful. Yes. You line up your danger arc and, and jab it into this thing's uh, electronic components, uh, and you, you can tell that you're you're overloading it in a way that it doesn't like, uh, and, and you kind of wait for the moment where you hear something slide or click inside, and then you grab on with your gauntlets and pull with all your might, and you're able to wrench this door wide open in a complete success that both accomplishes what you wanted to do and does not mark that self-destruction clock. Congratulations. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. Chester, do you proceed into the vault? So uh, I guess as I pull the door open, what is the most immediate thing that I see? I think in front of you, you see a metal catwalk going forward, like a long metal corridor, that every so often there is a branch off to the right or the left 
that leads out to a circular platform. I'm very much picturing uh, Cerebro in the X-Men mm-hmm. movies, um, mm-hmm. but like sure. longer and with more like like uh, with more platforms coming off of it. But like similar thing where it is a big open void of a room that has this catwalk going out into the into the center of it uh, with multiple branching platforms uh, at the end of which you can Sorry, see... Sorry, do you mean the architect's room in the Matrix? Is, <laughs> is that what you mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, that's more where Angus is. That's the room you're leaving behind. <laughs> the room with all the monitors. Mm. No, this is, this is more of a... More of an X2 situation. Um, gotcha. <laughs> so yes, and I think you can tell that at the end of each of these platforms, like there are, there are, uh, I, don't, I don't know how to describe it, that you see pieces of technology being stored at the end of these. You don't immediately recognize your armor there, but you get the sense that like, ah, this is some sort of storage and your armor is probably on one of these platforms. Um, as important as the mission that we have at hand, I don't want to leave Angus behind. So uh, what I'm going to do at the door is just like, um, Angus, come on, I got the door open. Help, come here, come here. Hang on, hang on, almost got it, I think. Uh, hang on. Let's jump back over to Angus then. Uh, you were going to try uh, to take control of these robots. We're definitely going to need a roll for that. Oh, absolutely, fam. Uh, Angus is, like, wiping sweat from his face. Uh, He's got his toe tapped. He's, like, moving as fast as he can in a slowed time space. Um, Because he wants to... He wants to get this right, but he knows that he has very, very little time. Uh, I am going to take a dare to get an extra d6. With double dare, I get another d6 on that, so that is 3d6. Um, I'm going to mark a die on... I'm... You know what? I'm marking all of my remaining boost. (laughs) My last die on my skip modes, and three kick. Incredible. Let's get that roll. 46 three kick. I rolled a three. No! What? No. I rolled two twos and two threes. Wait, based on what you're doing, does this have anything to do with tinkering? Uh, Robin? Can you read me the text of that ability? Raw talent. You've always just been really good at tinkering with electronics. If this would help you with an action, you can mark one trouble to upgrade a one to three result into a four to five results. Does this classify as tinkering with electronics? I mean, my dude, my dude, that's gotta be. Come on, I will say, Robin, this is a tinker <laughs> with the electronics. Come on, <laughs> buddy. Look, Dave I know- is way more confident. I, I imagine building little robots and shit. What is it? What, like, what is, what, what, what is a computer but an electronic? Here is, here is what I will say. It, it does feel to me like this is exactly the kind of thing that that Angus does. He likes to, uh, like, he built those skip mode runners. He reprogrammed Chester's armor. He is good at figuring out electronic systems that uh, are not immediately user-friendly and and making them do things that they were not designed to do. I feel like this is in Angus's wheelhouse. However, it's a a huge, important role, and I want it to have a cost here. Um, You're Mm -hmm. going to market trouble to initiate it. 
Uh, it's only upgrading yep. your one to three to a four to five. So that's still going to mark your your danger clock of boom. Yep. If you're also willing to, in addition to, you know, the, the regular complications here, if you're also willing to take a slam on top of those regular complications, I will allow you to do this. Give me that slam. Beautiful. I think you uh, maybe try at first to operate it uh, the intended way. You're, you're, you know, doing the classic uh, TV procedural thing where you're like, your fingers are flying on the keyboard. You're hacking away. You're hacking so hard. You're hacking so fast, uh, but you just can't hack hard enough. Uh, it keeps telling you that you don't have clearance. Uh, it tells you that you, you can't uh, override the security protocols. And I think Angus gets frustrated, and that's where this raw talent comes into play, because Angus isn't good at hacking. Angus is good at tinkering. Uh, and so you open up a panel and go to do some, some rewiring here to try and uh, boost the signal or circumvent the security protocols. Or, listen, I'm not Angus. I don't know what you're doing, but Angus knows. <laughs> and yeah. I think in doing that, you're able to uh, redirect something, uh, reverse the polarity, uh, etc., yeah. and accomplish what you're setting out to do. You get a big old shock from this. We're going to give you a zap slam. Okay. I was going to pitch he takes the slam overclocked. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's the form of like an electric shock, but we're calling it overclocked because that's too good to not. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, we're going to move the boom counter. Um, that is the other major complication here as you have, you've advanced that clock. You're one step closer to self-destruction of the uh, of the entire station. You see on that video feed, maybe just as you're sort of doing this rewiring, um, the screen begins to like flicker and static like bad VCR tracking, but you're pretty sure for a moment you see some of the robots in frame begin to power down and then it goes to static. And you're pretty confident that you had an effect there, but you'll, you're not sure you've lost the feed. Whatever you did in, in the wiring has has caused it to cut out. I have an offer. Mm-hmm. Kind of a narrative offer, I suppose. Angus gets this shock, and he jolt, jerks back and goes, Ah, damn it! Ugh! And he gets up, and he looks over at the screen, and for a second he can't make sense of what's happening because it looks like the screen keeps fast-forwarding and then playing as normal and then fast-forwarding is playing as normal. And then he taps his toe and everything kind of comes back and he realizes that his fast-forward on his skip modes has started to malfunction a little bit. Oh. And he looks at his feet and something in the overclocking, the, the shock that he got from hacking into the system has messed with his shoes. He, I mean, I have no turbo left, so, uh, uh, you know, can't add uh, booster kick, so that's justified there. And he just looks down at his feet and he goes, oh, okay, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, let's go. And he, he runs to catch up with Chester. Hello, friends, it's me, your Slugmaster, briefly interrupting to thank you once again for listening to the show. Your support means everything to us, and we absolutely could not have come this far without all of you backing us up. This is our 35th episode. There is only one more left in the first season. That is objectively wild. And hey, that also means that you've only got one more episode left in season one to leave us nice ratings and reviews and recommend us to friends. Uh, you can also do that once we start season two, but like, get in on the ground floor, right? You want to you be able to say you liked us before we were cool. 
Anyway, we are at Quantum Kickflip on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube, so be sure to follow us for new episode updates, memes, audiograms, and more. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon, where for just five bucks a month, you can get early access to every new episode of Quantum Kickflip, as well as bi-weekly bonus content. I believe our next Patreon exclusive is our Session Zero, the very first thing we ever recorded together, which we've never released anywhere before. Uh, so you can hear us coming up with our characters and laying out the world and stuff. It's a very fun listen, especially here at the end of the season. You can sort of see how things have changed and uh, how far things have come over the course of three dozen episodes. I'd also like to thank our sponsors at the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, whose goal is to advocate, educate, and celebrate the media arts in Alberta. Check them out at amaas.ca. And finally, we are proud members of the Alberta Podcast Network, who have just a ton of amazing locally made shows over at albertapodcastnetwork.com. We release Quantum Kickflip bi-weekly, so you can catch the final episode of Season 1 on Wednesday, August 3rd. And now seems like a very appropriate time to remind you that you can also listen to episodes two days early as a Patreon subscriber. Anyway, we're going to get you right back to the action here, but first, I'm going to throw it over to that Miper orb that Nick flattened in the archives for a brief word from our sponsors. Hello there, it's me, the Archive Orb, the uh, floating robotic orb from the Miper archives. Uh, just here to give you a couple quick words from our sponsors. This episode of Quantum Kickflip is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, and life and disability coverage online anytime on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. That's ab.bluecross.ca. That sounds awfully convenient and manageable. We, uh, we don't actually get benefits here at Miper. I mean, I'm assuming the human employees do, but uh, us, us robotic orbs, we don't get none. I, I guess we don't really need them, but, you know, it's still... It'd be nice. Be a nice perk. You never know, right? Always good to be prepared. Anyway, uh, this episode was also brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. Uh, the foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing, and this year's focus is on making ends meet in Edmonton. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. That's ecfoundation.org. That sounds like a, a, a good program to, to donate and, and sort of coordinate and make sure that money's going to the right place. I would, I would donate myself to one of these charitable foundations, but... Uh, we don't actually get uh, paid as Miper employees. Yeah, I'm assuming the humans do, but us orbs, uh... You know, now I'm saying it all out loud, I think maybe we need to unionize. I'm gonna talk to some of the other orbs about this once I've regained my third dimension. Anyway, let's get you folks back to the action. So Nick... Lake and Elliot, uh, we catch up with you still in the records room, having uh, successfully, uh, or more accurately, mixed successfully, talked to this Miper employee into drawing Tristan away from her office. You uh, and defeated two uh, 
pal of robots, you now find yourselves alone, save for uh, a silver two-dimensional disc that I don't think has ever stopped rambling. Uh, I think it's slightly <laughs> under the whole scene. I did, wish I could remember the voice I was doing, but it's just like, if you needed some assistance, I could have just helped. I could have helped you. I don't know why you had to go and turn me two-dimensional. And that's just been constant through the whole scene. Uh, but I digress. What's the next move for the HQs? Uh, the tunics will will reform, refuse. Because mm-hmm. I know you've been dying to see that happen on screen for once. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and I had a I promised a, a great butterfly effect reference, but you've both been in the same room and experienced all the same things, so it's very minor. Oh. You get a brief head rush <laughs> as as your brain incorporates two different sets of memories into one, but they're like two really similar sets of memories, so it's it's fine. You don't even get a nosebleed from it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, by the sounds of it, gang, we, we got to move. Uh, we I don't think we have a lot of time, but I guess we do have to wait for her to leave her office. So, um, Nick, are are you okay? And and I don't mean from the robot stuff. I mean, you know, the, the shocking revelation we just experienced at the end of moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of moments ago. You know, how people say things. <laughs> yeah, like, I... Thank you, I... I... I really did feel like the final scene of something. It, it really came to a climax <laughs> in a in a way I didn't expect. And I, I just want to say I'm sorry. I, I rushed in here. I was way too cavalier about it all. And, and I think I was too aggressive to this poor mumbling orb uh, <laughs> disc, I should say. Oh, well, say, very aggressive. I don't know. This, this is when he recoheres into a sphere. Has <laughs> <laughs> a loud, like, Ping! As it pops out back into the <laughs> spherical shape. And uh, I maybe a little greedily took a little bit of that out on, on the PAL robots there, but I, I, I'm i sorry, I just came into here with, with such lofty ideas and hopes, and my mind really just gets away from me sometimes. I, I thought I'd... I, I thought everything I wanted to hear w- would be tucked away somewhere in this archive, and I I should have been more focused on our, our mission together. There are more things at stake than just stuff that's happened to me in the past. Well, I mean, this is part of why we came here, and I know you said it felt like an ending, but there's there's still lots of Miper headquarter left to explore, so let's say we, we uh, hit the bricks and, and get up to Tristan's office. Yeah, it, it, it's okay, Nick, really. Thanks, Elliot. And thank you, Cal Senior! It's great to see you again. <laughs> the tentacle gives you a little wave. Uh, I guess you, you've successfully wrangled this thing, Elliot. Do you, do you want to continue to have this tentacle at your disposal, or do you want to uh, uh, let it re- retract back into its own dimension? I, I think I will let it retract back, because as while I have it, I can't do anything else with the backpack, and I need that backpack, mm. to be clear. That's we fair. all get we get one soggy tentacle group hug first. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And with that, the tentacle retracts, uh, and you have your backpack back. Yeah, are we are we taking the elevator up to the top floor? Yeah. Next stop, top floor. I do want to take a moment here. Um, you all, you all pile into the elevator uh, and find yourselves heading up. You're able to use that key card that Elliot procured for you uh, to to access the top floor. And I think there's a moment wherein um, your your the elevator is nearing the upper floors. I, I just want to give you guys a beat here to to get a, a sense of a plan of attack here. What do you 
you all sort of remember Tristan's office because that was where you came the first time you came to Mepro headquarters was to meet with Tristan in her office. Um, so I think you remember that there's a bit of a like lobby waiting area um, that is not particularly heavily policed or, or like you, you don't remember a lot of security there. Uh, I think you get the vibe that like at that level, like if you've made it that far, you know, Tristan doesn't want lumbering security droids uh, messing with her uh, fancy rich lady aesthetic. So I think that a lot of the security is is designed to prevent you from even getting to that floor in the first place. If you've made it there, you probably have an appointment. Um, but you do remember that like there's a lobby before you go into Tristan's office and that lobby wasn't you know, empty. There was there was an orb that greeted you and sort of showed you in some sort of a secretary. Um, and depending on, you know, who else has business with Tristan that day, there may be other members of the Miper team in and around that area. Um, so I want to just take a moment as the elevator ascends here to to give you a second to to plan your approach, whatever that may look like. Elliot, I know you said you were going to try and pull Tristan's phone from in your bag. Do, do we... Do we try and do that here in the elevator first, or, or is that something we try once we're, we're safely inside the office? Well, if we pull it here, we could say we're coming in to return her phone to her. But no, that won't work. Because she won't be in the room. So. Yeah. Um, Maybe we can convince the orb that we had a last minute meeting and it'll, it'll let us wait in the office for her? Well, we just went to all the trouble to send her downstairs. I think we want to... Ugh, I, I guess a little light, casual, everyday B and E. Right. I mean, if no one's there, then that's fine. But if there's a, a, a secretary orb or or other employees, that's what I'm worried about. Well, I have that. I mean, you 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 know how to pull a specific phone out of a bag. I'll let you handle that. But no, if there's a if there's a um, secretary, I can I can definitely take care of her. Uh, I figure, or sure, I shouldn't object. Maybe it's a him um, <laughs> or a robot. She, Lake Lake checks Lake checks her privilege. Uh, and then, um, <laughs> but anyway, I, if there's someone at the desk, I can hit him with the subjectivity diode and make them see a boring office that doesn't have us in it. Okay. Well, if Elliot's got the phone and Lake's on secretary, does that leave me with orb duty? I mean, you handle the last one deftly. Sorry to clarify, the secretary last time was an orb. There was an orb who was acting oh, as Tristan's receptionist. I thought you were right. differentiating them as two things. Nope. <laughs> Got well. I mean, then I can, <laughs> I can change reality. Look, I can change reality. Whoever's whatever's perceiving it, I can change it. So, um, Elliot. Uh, and like the the numbers are running up, and we're we're hitting like full floor nineteen. Um, yeah. Can can I ask a favor? Yeah, sure. What's up? And with that, the elevator dings, the doors open, and Elliot and Lake, you step out into the office. Nick is nowhere to be seen. Um, in front of you, you see that same office from last time, nicely furnished, comfy looking chairs, uh, and just coming around the corner into the room, you see a uh, that same silver secretary orb that you recognize from your last meeting here. Hi, Mr. Orb. I was just here about my reality cannon. You see, it's, uh, and then I'm going to fire a <laughs> subjectivity diode at it. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's get that roll. Uh, I'm going to use another uh, die from my turbo pool. 
And that'll be it. Just the two. And I'm going to look cool while I do it. She's Yay! feeling pretty confident. <laughs> and I remembered it's only been 35 episodes. Yay! Where I remembered to say that I look cool. Everyone's arcs are coming together. <laughs> <laughs> this has been my arc. It's learning how to play this game. <laughs> Let's go. A six. It was a two, but also a six. Beautiful. Um, yeah, you, you describe to me how you take this thing out. Um, yeah, like I said, she just sort of is like, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I'm here, and uh, bah, bah, and then just kind of point blank um, blasts it with with the subjectivity diode. Basically, the same reality as what's around us, minus the us. So if, if we were the only other ones in here with this orb, it's quiet, there's Muzak playing, you know, whatever other office decor is around. It's just more of that. It's just extra empty office that this thing witnesses. Yeah, I love that. So this is a complete success. You're able to do that. I want to just read. So the text of the ability is create a temporary illusionary reality for a specific target. The effect happens within their senses. It doesn't say anything about being a retroactive. So I think this orb, you know, sees you, sees you approach it and address it. And then suddenly the room flips to an empty room. And this uh, secretary orb is like, H- hello? Hello, is someone there? I th- I could have sworn that I my sensors processed somebody just now. H- hello, identify yourself. Tristan Tristan Voss's male secretary here. Please identify yourself. I'm a robot, but I use he/him pronouns. Uh, Lake, Lake does a big cartoony like finger to her mouth, like shh. Uh, not that it can hear us shushing, yeah. but um, and then we all uh, like cartoon tiptoe. Uh, into the next uh You see uh, the orb uh, floating in midair visibly shudder and is like, it's the ghosts again. I knew this office was haunted. I tried to tell Tristan, oh boy, I, uh, my, my medium is going to hear about this and it floats off. What <laughs> 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 a complex being. I know. <laughs> <laughs> With that, you approach the door to Tristan Boss's office. Um, and Elliot, I believe we need a roll here. Uh, Chill always rolls with plus one die. I will add a hype die as well. And just to ensure this goes well, I'll add a kick for my astral intake. The added effect I would like is that wherever Tristan is, she doesn't notice her phone is gone. Mm. Let's go. I rolled three twos. Oh my God. <laughs> no way. Oh my god. <laughs> As your hand draws back from the bag, popping out with it comes Nick Lowe, the smart playbook. And he's shouting, Negatana, 10th form chrono, subdued. There's no one else here. I didn't need to be in the bag. I, I'm i sorry. I thought I thought I remembered there being an orb and a secretary. I was the, there was, was the orb, the orb was the secretary. Is that what happened? Oh, shoot. Yeah, he uh, seems to really be into, like, the occult and stuff, which is actually pretty cool. I've heard of do androids dream of electric sheep, but do androids, you know, dream of electric star signs? I don't know. Uh. <laughs> Elliot, after, after pulling Nick out of your bag, um, you uh, you reach back in to try and fumble around for this this uh, phone. But for whatever reason, it just maybe, maybe you uh, don't have the coordinates tuned in quite right. Maybe Tristan is doing something with her phone and, and uh, it's it's not in her pocket where you're aiming for. You're not entirely sure why this fails, but it fails. You can't you can't procure Tristan's phone here. Um, that was a complete failure though, which means not only do we need that failure, we need a complication. 
which I think comes in the form of the elevator uh, behind you dinging, um, and the doors begin to open, revealing not a pal robot, not Tristan Voss, um, but that doorways tour group. You recognize um, the the face of the the leader who was loudly carrying on for the entire last episode, and you have a moment here before the doors are fully open to make a move, but that is your complication, is the, the Doorways Tour Group has reached the top floor. You you guys deal with this doorway. I'm gonna go run interference on this doorways. Uh, and goes to uh, just meet her maker head on. <laughs> oh, so boy. whatever you guys need to do to get that door open, I'm gonna handle the doorways crowd. I love this offer. Um, so you see... Um, Shannon there with the Doorways leader, who I don't know if we named him last time, but I have it written down as Jeffrey Glenn Gunderstack, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, along with the rest of the Doorways uh, group. Uh, and you hear Jeffrey saying, that's that's so good to hear. These new parental control features are really going to put my mind at ease. You you say we can completely lock them out of certain sites? That's that's right. And you see Shannon is there as well. And, and you can monitor all of their online activity without them knowing. You can monitor their location with the location settings. And we're even testing out some new technology that would limit their ability to travel interdimensionally at all. Or, or allow you to, to cut into that at any time. Are you familiar with the phenomenon known as peelback? Oh, yes, no, we've, we've, we're quite uh, aware of the slug blaster culture. We, we concern ourselves greatly with the, with the lingo that the teens are using. I have a whole list of, of is your teen texting about slug blasting, so I, I know about peelback. Explain it in case someone else doesn't know, but I know all about it. Um, Shen says, uh, well, yeah, it's uh, that there's a, you have a connection to your home plane, and and obviously the further you get away from from your own reality, it, it pulls back on you. But we're experimenting with some technology that would allow uh, a parental figure to to force that process via the the M phone itself, and 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 bring a, a child back home to to safety. Uh, oh, well, that sounds wonderful. Yes, no, that's exactly the sort of thing that that would really put my mind at ease as a parent. It's all for the children. Um. Uh, uh, so Lake's mom tentatively raises her hand. Uh, yes. I, I mean, I'm, I wasn't taking questions. It's not like a lecture, but but yes, uh, you in the back. Well, I, I, I just thought it would be polite to raise my hand instead of just like talking all the time and interrupting. <laughs> and I um, keep telling you, Molly, you've got to be more assertive. You you got to take up space. You you need to to claim your your proud place, and you're never going to get ahead in the in the business world uh, or in the okay, activism yes, world. Th- thank you, thank you so much, uh, Jeffrey. Yes, you're so right. You're so thank you. I'm sorry, I was talking, but go ahead. Uh, right, of course. Um, but isn't peelback? Um, I mean, from from what I understand of it, it's 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 pretty dangerous, isn't it? Or or it's like it it it's not a pleasant thing to go through. Uh, and I think before Shannon can answer, Jeffrey pipes in and says, well, you know what else is dangerous is is traversing unknown realities where any number of dangers could be lurking. It's all in all, it's it's about, you know, the, the dangers we can control versus the dangers we can't. And Shannon says, yeah, that's that's exactly right. We're, we're just looking to give the parents some degree of control. And and obviously it would be up to you how you use uh, these these features that we've implemented implemented, but we just we want to make sure that everyone feels like they have the control that they need. And uh, Molly looks like she's gonna say something else, and then side eyes Jeffrey and thinks better of it, and she just kind of goes quiet. 
Uh, Lake, you said you were going to go run interference. I want to hear exactly how this plays out. How do you how do you approach this group? Yeah, uh, just walks back into the main lobby. Over here is what was it? Gunderson was his name? Uh, Jeffrey Glenn Gunderstack, yes. Gunderstack. Gunderstack. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Mr. Gunderstack makes a, a sound point. Uh, the, you know, about the, the danger you know versus the danger you don't. I certainly... Would have come in handy with me when when I got in over my head, um, and then obviously looks it glitched. Uh, but ho- the pamphlet I've had from day one in my back in my other gear uh, <laughs> that I don't even have the space time ampimeter anymore um, <laughs> holds up a doorways pamphlet to be like me from the you know me from doorways, um, and just is like through through her teeth is like yeah that parental control on peel back I think would have really. Saved a lot of kids from a lot of trauma. <laughs> and then I don't know how her mom reacts, but she's keeping a straight face. Uh, yeah, I think her mom looks absolutely shocked that Lake is here. I think maybe the most communication the two of them have had uh, about this whole endeavor is that Lake's mom would be gone for the weekend. It probably didn't get much more detailed than that because, you know, they're not on the best terms right now. Um, and she uh, sees you hold up this pamphlet and and espouse the importance of uh, parental controls. And she looks confused for a moment. And then she steps forward and says, Lake, you are so right. This Everyone, this is my daughter, Lake Marsden. Uh, and she's actually a uh, Miper-sponsored um, Slugmaster. I, I am. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I know, uh, uh, you know, working with Miper helps the whole experience be better and safer. And I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, the fact that, that the fine folks at Miper are willing to host a, a fine group of folks such as yourselves and, you know, my, my, my mom amongst them. Uh, there's this like weird kind of animosity, um, you know, uh, says that the, it's, I think, a real um, uh, a union between uh, the interests of parents, the interests of uh, mega tech companies and then the interests of uh, the, the youth of today can really all uh, uh, come together in, in situations like this. Uh, your mom smiles and says, you're so right. I think that this is really good for everybody and is going to be really good for for slug blasting and and for you. And she puts a hand on your shoulder. Your glitch kind of crawls up her arm. And uh, you can see, like, she's kind of softening. She seems genuinely happy. Or, like, pleased, at least, about this uh, bridge that seems to be forming between her and her daughter through Miper. Oh, (laughs) no. Uh, Lake's gut sinks. Um, she's. Not, I'm not gonna let this uh, deception last for long. Um, but she does need to still buy her friend some time. Does so the like, secretary just see this whole group of people talking to nothing? <laughs> uh, I, no, think I think it's the more secretary so than that. sees nothing. Yeah, I think yeah. the secretary sees an empty uh, lobby, uh, sees and hears that's just like it's just oh, floating in a corner. Didn't even real. <laughs> I'm um, sorry, I did, I did not think about that. That's very good. You sorry. know, I'm I'm sure some of you concerned parents have a lot of questions about the sort of dangers one might uh, succumb to. So if anyone has any questions about my glitch here, oh, I'm, like I'm you certainly... don't need to go back down that. No, well. no, no, no. I'm happy to happy to to 
share my trauma so that hopefully other kids don't have to go through this. Mom, I need to talk to you as soon as this is done. But just, uh, uh, yeah, look at my arm. Look at my arm. I think uh, Jeffrey immediately... He yeah he sees your mom's hand on on your shoulder and notices the gr- glitch climbing up it and is like oh my goodness that's dreadful oh does it always does it spread like that is it contagious ooh uh, and you see other hands raising in the back and and everyone has uh, equally um, disrespectful <laughs> questions for you but you're able to buy your friends some time here y- you feel your mom give your shoulder a little squeeze like part I'm here for you like part oh my god this guy won't shut up <laughs> and also you know um, mama bear defense about the fact that he's uh, asking uh, rude, uh, intruding questions about your glitch. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lake makes it clear that the first chance she gets, she needs to, to speak to her mom. You know, she needs a sidebar with her mom. Mm-hmm. But but I'll let the I'll let this inappropriate glitch thing be the the time we need. So. Yeah, I think you you take some time to answer questions there, and you buy your friends uh, the time that they need. So yes, you've completely distracted doorways and have given your your friends uh, Nick and Elliot time to. Uh, duck behind a corner or hide behind a desk or whatever it is they want to do here to to get out of sight and and uh, they will they will get another opportunity to try their hand at sneaking through this door. Um, Nick and Elliot, what is it that you want to do here to while while Lake is running interference? Are, are you are you hiding? Are you running? Are you what are you doing? I feel like the best place to hide might be on the other side of that door. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if only you had a means of of getting through it. Uh, Nick turns to Elliot and just says, Elliot, we got one shot at this. And, uh, he, he wraps his arms around her as, as best he can. He's a small little guy and he tries to sort of jump the two of them directly into the door. (laughs) And he's going to phase to, to, to make them pass through, hopefully right at the last second as they tumble onto the other side. Perfect. Your hyperphaser allows you to roll to phase through walls and matter. I think we are going to need a kick in order to extend this ability to the two of you, uh, as well as as a roll. At this point, I have spent all of my kick, but I am willing to take a dare to grab that kick. uh, Mm -hmm. And with double dare, that'll also give me an extra d6 on this, which I I would like to put that on to to begin with anyway. (laughs) Uh, So I will do that and adding the last uh, extra boost die for my Rift Ninja sneakers that I have anyway. So I'll be rolling 3d6 with that kick from the dare. Two sixes. Beautiful. Um, One for each of us. (laughs) Leap effortlessly through this door, and we'll find out what happens to you on the other side. But I think what we need to do is check in over in Dimension M. Staring down the mouth of this uh, this vault, you're, you're staring through the doorway here. What's your next move? So I think Chester will start heading in uh, since he waited for Angus, making sure that uh, you know the two of them are together, ready to throw up uh, the force field in case something happens. As they you know mutually start looking around, looking for uh, Chester's old armor. I think Angus unintentionally goes a little bit ahead as you cross uh, as we cross over the threshold of the doorway. 
he he tends to uh, charge headlong into situations anyway, but as he's approaching, another fast forward hits him and he he stumbles in a few steps ahead of you. Ah, uh, that's beautiful. I love that. Angus, as soon as you cross that threshold, just everything feels on fire. It's a similar sensation to what you felt in Empyrean, where you were as far as you've ever been from your home plane, your your quantum essence being being strained. Um, but worse, much worse. It it feels like like Temple of Doom where they the guy reaches in and grip pulls out the other dude's heart, like someone did that with your soul, essentially. So much that <laughs> oh I think God. it staggers you back and you can sort of stagger back into Chester, stopping him from crossing, and as soon as you're back across the threshold, it abates. Ah! Oh my god! Oh! Jesus! Hey, hey, hey! Hey, it's okay! It's like another I'm, plane! I'm it's, like, it's another plane that's... God, slow down! Um, Angus! Angus! I don't know what's going on in there. Angus! What? Look at me. It it, 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 it was like, like peel back. It was like peel back, but like slow... And, and and you can't get out of it. I Okay. I, 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 um <sighs> So we gotta be careful with how we go in here, right? Okay. And, and and Chester offers his hand to Angus. Uh Angus hesitates for a moment. He seems bothered by something. Who knows what it could be? Uh and then he reaches <laughs> out and grabs Chester's hand. And Chester tries to maintain eye contact with Angus and just like Let's go together. Okay? Angus is nodding. And uh, as Chester and Angus start walking forward, uh, I want my receptive ability, like, if anything, out of any moment, I know receptive has been a very passive ability. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the most active, uh, because I'm trying to... I I understand that this is, like, a very... um, particular situation where we are in a lot of danger so i'm trying to find this armor as quickly as possible absolutely um give us the text of that receptive ability read that out for us once just so that everyone knows what we're what we're dealing with there you notice the stuff everyone else is too busy to like hidden panels uh undiscovered hoverboard spots or gorgeous sunsets all right so it's it's not as much of a uh an active investigation as it is more of a a perception. It, it, you're noticing things that, that other people might glance past. However, I do think it will still apply in this room. Um, here's w- how this is going to play out. Um, there are multiple branches to this pathway. We're going to need rolls to search for the armor. And the consequences of that. those rolls, uh, should they be negative, uh, may result in uh, slams due to the quantum strain from the environment. Marks on the progress track of the self-destruct, or if you roll really poorly, possibly both. But uh, successful rolls will bring you closer to finding it or or have you find it outright. Uh, So on a one to three, you're going to take a slam from this and we're going to mark the progress clock uh, of the of the station. Four or a five, you'll get to choose. Um, You'll you'll move closer to your goal and you'll get one of those two consequences, either a slam or a progress clock. Uh, and on a successful roll, you will find the armor with no consequence. Um, this may take several rolls. Either of you can can roll these. Uh, you can take turns. You can share resources. I leave it up to you how you approach this. I also have some other ideas of, you know, nothing is off the table, but I, I just want to really clearly set the stakes going in because this is 
uh, the final hurdle here, and this might be the hardest thing you faced. I've got hype dice, and that's it. So, uh, Chester, oh if you want to take the first roll, I also don't have much trouble to mark uh, for dares and things like that. Um, so, Like uh, you, Chester- you haven't marked much trouble or you don't have much trouble left to mark? I don't have much left to mark. I, I, Ooh, I do still have a of couple you. of tricks up my sleeve. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, Chester, you have a little bit more resources than I do if you want to take the first stab at this. Chester uh, raises his left arm, and there's a little panel with a screen. Um, okay. Main menu. Reception. Chester, you don't need to go through the main menu. I know. Uh, okay. Wait, okay. Um, right. And, like, basically, Chester's going to try to use his armor to try to uh, ping his old armor. It's like... Basically, find my phone, like hoping that oh, because he had an uh, an account or a profile on both, you know, like because maybe it was set up on the old armor, and they put uh, oh, let's take these settings and put it into your new fancy armor. Uh, because of that connection, maybe it's uh, it, it's somehow like a, a way to connect the two armors, and uh, tries to use that to connect. Uh, and, and find the other one. CC Capone at mcloud.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think is that your way of like using dice or boost from or dice or kick from your armor to add to your roll kind of thing? Yeah, I think uh, we ha- we do have some hype, yeah? From oh, the yeah. There's two left. Two left. I don't want to use them all. If I could use one of those... I'm going mm-hmm. to use an, uh, a die from my diligent maintenance. I'm hoping uh, that's uh, from the old armor, to, if anything. Uh, that way I can get uh, three die on this. A three, four, and a five. Mixed success. Yes. So, as I said, this, this will be one complication to the other. You either take a slam from the quantum strain or we're going to mark the progress clock and move you one step closer to self-destruction in this station. You are currently at B out of B-O-O-M. You also currently have one slam box full. Which consequence do you want here? (laughs) You know, what I think it might be, Mm -hmm. uh, I want to offer that Chester and Angus slowly walk forward together and Chester is holding tightly onto Angus's hand, not to control him, but to like reassure that the two of them are together. And as the two are walking forward, um, not to speed up, just to make sure that they are thorough, it is slower, thus marking one on to the uh, boom track. Mm. Uh, but that's, yeah. that's what I want to offer as the consequence to that. Absolutely, yeah. So you, you will we'll mark that progress track. You are halfway to self-destruction, but you don't take a slam. Uh, your mixed success, I, I think how this plays out, um, you, you manage to make your way slowly forward, and because you're taking that time and you're, you're being really thorough, you see a platform up the way where you see a, a, a large you know, humanoid shape, um, and you get the sense that that might be your upper up ahead. It's still going to take some effort to get there and, and acquire it, um, but you, you're pretty sure you've charted the course. 
I also want to offer here, though, I think this is where your receptive ability kicks in. You notice what's on some of these other platforms. This is clearly some sort of a storage facility where Miper keeps stuff locked down, stuff that might incriminate them, stuff that's, you know, corporate secrets, experimental technology that they don't want other people to have their hands on, that sort of thing. And I think you can both kind of piece together that, you know, uh, this facility is almost entirely staffed by robots who would not be feeling this quantum strain. Like, this vault is designed so that uh, Miper robots can move through it easily and procure stuff, but intruders will be pretty violently ejected uh, from the premises. Um, but you're powering through. You begin to notice that while some of these art- other artifacts, other things in the room are are things you don't recognize, bits of technology that just like Chester doesn't have a frame of reference for, some of them you, you have seen things like them before. You see uh, a sleek looking hoverboard that uh, looks looks a lot nicer than any of the ones in your crew. Um, it's got, got like a chrome detailing and looks, uh, extremely, uh, shiny and fast and cool. Um, <laughs> you see, uh, another one that, that, uh, seems similar, uh, at first you think it's shiny, but you realize it's actually giving off a faint glow. Um, and as it sort of rotates slowly in place, suspended in midair above this platform, you realize that you can kind of see through it. Um, on another one, you see... Uh, what looks like some sort of uh, weaponry. It almost looks like a gauntlet uh, with a bunch of wires running off of it. Um, So there is, in addition to your armor, there are other signature devices stored here, some experimental tech. Who knows where all of it is from? You're going to need to roll again to acquire your armor. You can also roll again to acquire any of these other devices as you go. Um, The cost Mm. is just like, you you know, you may advance the self-destruction track. You may take a slam. You might, if you roll poorly enough, both might happen. So it's up to you to decide how badly you want it, but you could walk out of this room with more signature devices than you entered with. So with all that said, is one of you going to make another roll, and is it going to be to move towards the armor or to try to acquire one of these other devices? Uh, Angus gives your hand a little squeeze, lets go, and goes on his hoverboard towards the armor. All right. Let's get that roll. And what I am going to do to give myself a little bit more on this roll is mimicking Lake in Quahalia. He's going to do a uh, long nose manual down towards the armor. (laughs) I'm going to try to look cool. Show off. You get plus 1d6 when you try to look cool. Refill one boost when you attempt to look cool is my guts ability. (laughs) So I'm getting a d6 on this roll and I am banking a d6 for later. 2d6 straight up. I roll a six. Hell yeah. Oh. Nice. nice. <laughs> Incredible. Oh my god. <laughs> you are able to mark that style right now. Uh, yeah. You are, you are, that's a complete success. You're able to uh, acquire the armor. I, I, I think in that moment, because this is both a Dave reaction more than anything else, but I think it filters to Chester as well, of when Angus takes off, like I can kind of half expecting Angus to maybe go grab one of these other items and try to do it all. Mm. But then as I see Angus shoot towards the armor, as Angus shoots forward, Chester uh, starts running after him, tries to catch up, and is smiling, realizing that the two are working together. (laughs) 
High Forester clings to the rough, multifaceted surface of a glasteroid, barely able to hang on. Two coppery hands extend down towards him, and his gaze follows their wrists up to where they connect at the forearm. Savitri pulls him to his feet, and together they take in the scene. The arborists are scrambling, scattered. Many of them are still hurtling through open sky, while some have managed to redirect themselves and find purchase on floating debris. The Miper Megabot propels itself forward, smashing glasteroids and lashing out at its enemies. The sheer size of it is unfathomable, making it impossible to fight. With a sigh, the High Forester prepares to call for his order to retreat back to their own dimension. Suddenly, the Megabot pauses, locking in place. It's impossible to tell what caused it or how long it will last, but at least for the moment, it appears that whatever signal was controlling it has been jammed. But a moment is all they need. The High Forester cries out, motioning for his order to attack. They leap out and converge upon the metal monstrosity. Each of them knows exactly what to do, activating small metallic orbs and placing them at strategic points on the Megabot's frame. As quickly as they came, the Arborists retreat, leaping off the Megabot just in time as, one by one, the orbs detonate, triggering a series of explosions that tear it apart, utterly obliterating it. A cheer echoes out through the open sky of Prismatia. They've done it. They've won. Nick and Elliot, when we last left you, you were phasing through the door to Tristan's office. You realize as you do this that that you're you're exactly right. The the phone that you needed uh, was both the way to access her private office and also the way to uh, access the um, mother console. So you, as much as you've circumvented one of those two hurdles, you are still going to need it. But you think that might not be that big of a problem as in front of you, sitting at her desk, you see Tristan Voss. And for a moment, you panic because you're you're worried that you've been found out. But you quickly realize that she's got something over her face. It's They're not like full-on VR goggles, but she's got some sort of high-tech frames that are creating a little hologram projection directly in front of her face. And you see her sort of looking around, but she's clearly not looking at anything in this room. She's She's looking at whatever's on the display. Uh, and you hear her kind of saying like, okay, I, I'm still not seeing anything down here. I'm going to kill Shannon for this. Whatever, whatever she's talking about, I think it's, it's long gone. Like the glass thing is weird, but I can't spend my entire day scanning through security droids. I, I have work to get done. So I don't know, stay on high alert and tell me if you found anything, but came okay, one more pass. Um, and you realize that she is patched into one of the PAL robots and, at least for the moment, has not noticed you here. Uh, this is your mixed success from your previous offer uh, of of talking Shannon into drawing Tristan out of her office. It was a mixed success in that she is uh, mentally out of her office, but physically still very much here. Boy, we've all been there, right? Mentally not at her <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so she might still have her phone on her person is what you're saying. Yeah. It's like, is it, is this rig connected to like a computer or is it all sort of self-contained? Is the rig connected to the phone? I, I think it's self-contained. I think maybe it's like a, a similar to one of the signature devices in the game that uh, Chester played with briefly with his micro armor was a hyper optic visor rig. Oh, I think it's a right. modified version of that. It's, you know, not the... Not the kind that a slug blaster would use, the kind that a high-powered corporate executive would use, but similar technology. 
And I think, like, as we face through the door, uh, Nick sort of propelled them with some force, and they've just kind of, like, landed with a thud on, on the entry mat, sort of into this office, I would say. So they're both just, like, lying on the ground looking at this. Mm-hmm. Elliot. Yeah. She, she's still here. Yeah. Shit. I... I think I can get her out of the way. But I don't know if it'll, if it'll take the phone with it. Hmm. Do you think you can make one more grab for it while I try and displace Miss Voss? Yeah. I'll give this one more shot. All right. Three, two, one, go. All right. Um, if you'll allow me to roll the astral intake one more time. Yeah, absolutely. So you're doing this, the same same attempt through the backpack to try and procure her phone from uh, what is presumably a few feet away from you, but also in doing so, hopefully doing it in a stealthy manner where you don't have to like physically walk up to her and, and pickpocket her. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, let's get that roll. I'm going to take a dare. Mm-hmm. I'm going to invoke a flashback to get one more d6. Beautiful. Yeah, we, we jump back to that scene where you were all um, planning together there. And uh, if you'll allow me, I think, yeah, Juniper's walking you through what you'll need to do and mentions that that thing about now you're going to need her personal end phone to unlock her office um, and to access the the console. It's, it's really critical in all of this. Um, so I, I'm not entirely sure how you're going to do that. But ooh, I, I do think I remember reading something. And she uh, starts flipping through uh, Friction Dreams, the uh, autobiography uh, of Tristan Voss uh, that she had been reading. <laughs> Uh, and she flips to, uh, maybe she's got like a little sticky note tab on one of the pages. Uh, she's got a bunch of them actually, and they're all color coded in a system that is not comprehensible to any of you. Like there's so many sticky notes that it can't possibly be useful in finding anything because it's just every page has a sticky note on it. And it's like, well, what, it, what good does that do? Uh, but she clearly knows the system and finds it quickly. And she's like, yeah, right here. Um, it says that, uh, Miss Voss, while uh, she is the inventor, uh, and, and creator of the M phone and, and, you know, the one who brought, smartphone technology to the masses um ironically enough she rarely keeps her own phone on her person as she finds it to be too much of a distraction and uh and it interferes with <laughs> with her work and with her genius uh, that's the book talking not me um and so uh when she's <laughs> sitting uh when she's at work she she doesn't keep it in her pocket uh or out but uh she, she generally keeps it in her top desk drawer okay that's where we'll look for it then and we flash back to the present, snap back to reality. Whoops, there goes the flashback. It's over now. Um, and you have uh, that that knowledge gives you uh, the mechanical advantage of uh, a die or a kick. I'm assuming a die in this case. Yes, please. Then uh, let's get that roll. All right, rolling 46. Let's go. That's a six. Oh, hey, there we go. <laughs> oh, I closed my eyes. I closed my eyes. <laughs> you reach into your bag and uh, effortlessly draw your hand out with uh, Tristan's phone uh, firmly in hand. Uh, Nick, what were you planning on doing? As Elliot was reaching into the bag, Nick immediately pushed himself up off the ground, pulled the negaton out, and was running full sprint across the room ready to try and cut Tristan Voss out of the time stream for a little while. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. This is your, uh, the same ability you used earlier, the, uh, uh, uh subdimensional edge. Yeah. You can roll to temporarily slice entire dimensions off of a target. Uh, one that we saw before was turning 3d to 2d or removing someone from the time stream, for example. 
Uh, same sort of thing where it's only temporary, but uh, th this is a different uh, dimension to be sliced. <laughs> Beautiful. Let's get that roll. I want to add, I have two more dice in my smarts pool, and I think I can invoke those just with the idea that Nick is using any knowledge he has about uh, space-time and, and the, the fabric of reality and and different chronometrics and what, what could actually be involved there to, to feasibly even make this kind of a slice happen. <laughs> Absolutely. So I will roll 3d6 on this move. <laughs> I also got a 6. Oh, yes! <laughs> Yeah, complete success. Paint this word picture for me. Uh, as Nick is right, he went from being so stealthy to classically, of course, just immediately <laughs> yelling. And as he tears across this ornate office, red glowing katana in hand, he shouts, <laughs> Negatana 10th form chrono! Subdimensional timeline slice! <laughs> and he Jesus. leaps forward over top of her desk oh and just pulls the sword directly down. It looks like it's gonna cut her in half, bisected from the top. It slides through the visor rig and just begins to like dissipate her with red light as she zoops right out of the time stream, leaving uh, the chair spinning there as Nick has landed on both feet standing uh, in her office chair. <laughs> Amazing. I think there's a moment there as you're bringing the sword down where the visor rig, like she hears you shout and sort of turns her head and the visor rig just falls slightly and she's able to look out over the top of her frames uh, and you make eye contact as the sword comes down uh, but just as quickly she's gone and you have with a complete success removed Tristan Voss from, from the time stream for some amount of time um, I guess we'll find out how long and with that uh, you've got her phone you've removed Tristan, Lake is running interference Congratulations, HQDs. <laughs> Hooray. I, I think Nick stands there panicking for a moment. He looks back. He's like, did, did, did you get it? I got it. We just need to wait for the others. Hell yeah. Good job, Nick. Nick stands on the still spinning office chair as it turns and he looks out the window, gazing out over Silicon Valley. And he just says, come on, adolescent evolution shinobi tortoises. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, beautiful. So Angus, with your complete success, you're able to, you start um, uh, disconnecting. I think the armor is kind of like, it's set up upright. Um, you recognize it instantly as like Chester's original armor. It's got the mining spike. It's got the big heavy gauntlets and stuff. <laughs> it's got the softballs taped to it. <laughs> softballs taped to it, exactly. <laughs> That's um, how I know. But it's also like, it's wired into the like platform that it's on. And so I think the you getting there first, you're, you start like unplugging and disconnecting things. Um, and you're able to sort of get this out and you're, you're hauling it forward. Um, and meanwhile, Chester, as he said, was racing to catch up with you. So I think by the time Chester gets there, you've already started like dragging it back off the platform. Chester, um, as you arrive here, uh, what, what's your play? So uh, if you can imagine... Uh, every uh, stereotypical rom-com mm -hmm. where two lovers are in a like a flowery kind of field mm -hmm. and they are running towards each other. It is like that. 
and instead of flowers in the field all around, it's it is blinking lights and all like the uh, walkways and everything that's around. And instead of tall grass blowing in the breeze, it is excruciating pain to your very essence. <laughs> Which, if you think about it, isn't that what love is? Anyways, no, like, like hey, let's not. You're gonna on compare that. it to hay fever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so like. As Chester, in slow motion, uh, uh, is running towards his armor, he, uh, you know, hits the eject button from uh, the the special Miper armor, and it splits open, reveals, you know, his bandana, his sweatshirt with like the or like the hoodie, and he's running forward, and instead of like you know jumping forward and hugging his lover, instead he like jumps forward, uh, throws his, like, you know, say, right arm into the slot where the right arm would fit on the uh, his old armor and falls back into his left arm, falling in where the left arm should go. And immediately, his old armor just snaps into place. It, em- it, it embraces you. It, it wraps around you and powers on as it does. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, as I get, like, into place, like, the way the armor reacts is just, like, it snaps so that my arms wrap around myself initially, and I'm hugging both myself, and it is hugging me. And, like, (laughs) I I whip my arms out, uh, the the mining blades snap out, and uh, Chester is fully ready to go. Now, I want to point out in this moment, um, Mm -hmm. you've got your armor back. You've got what you came for. um, And you can... I'm not going to make you roll to exit this chamber. Um, However, I I just want to paint the stakes here clearly before you do. um, Mm -hmm. Because I'm looking at your your tabs on our our playtest kit Mm -hmm. here. Chester's got a little bit to spare. um, But but y'all have been burning a lot of resources. Um, Angus, you're nearly out of Dyson kick. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make that offer one more time that should you want to attempt to retrieve any other signature device from the book, uh, you can do that. You can find just about any of them in this space. And that will not only give you some new abilities to play with, but also a new pool of of Dyson kick uh, that may prove critical in finishing this mission. Uh, However, doing so risks uh slams threat clocks advancing uh possible self-destruction of the entire station or both are angus and chester making a play for any of these devices or are you taking your leave of the vault i i am torn (laughs) because you got two spots left on that boom progress track it's not a lot of spots for sure uh and I got one slam box, but having some more resources would be great. And I made my own skip mode runners go on the fritz. <laughs> you sure did. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah, you're Beautiful welcome. offer. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't have timed it better. <laughs> um, I might make a play for one. Oh, boy. And I might roll one single die about it and just let chance... <laughs> Take me in her arms. Oh boy! You get the roll first, and then you can tell me after wait, what you're going for. Wait, n- wait, 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 wait. Chester uh, looks at his armor, 
the 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 thing wraps around him, right? Like it's kind of like acts as a backpack. There's a big thing on his, uh, you know, left fo- uh, forearm, right forearm, towards the bottom of his legs and everything like that. And um, in case of emergency, there is this one like kind of like handle that he can grab and pull. Mm-hmm. And he knows that this whole like realm around him, this quantum realm is getting difficult. He sees Angus starting to run towards one of them and making sure that uh, uh, Angus is okay is of uh, utmost importance to Chester. Uh, and, and there's the, he like looks one last time at the, at the labeling and I like pull only an emergency colon Omega engine. Chester grabs it and yanks it and his armor starts powering up and everything grows bigger. The, the armor, you know, starts to push up so he stands taller, uh, the robotic arms kind of jut out farther. And so it, he's like super gangly is what it looks like at a distance. And it's all robotic uh, pieces. And Chester then uh, hits one more button and it emits a big uh, uh, force field that is room sized and it requires concentration to do so. Hopefully it even helps in the case of uh, the, the, the quantum strain and Chester just holds it tight and uh, it powers out this big bubble around him as, uh, as Angus goes and runs to try to retrieve something. Uh, incredible. So this is an upgrade that you were owed. You you had completed a progress track in your downtime a few episodes back, but you had maxed out your playbook and your armor as it stood, so you had nothing left to unlock. Um, th- it's a side effect of playing multiple different playtest kits. Uh, things got a little off balance, and Chester unlocked more than <laughs> he was supposed to. Uh, and so to honor that, Dave and I talked uh, and decided that we would use one of the abilities from uh, the newer version of the playbook, the Omega Engine, which was not available in the version we were using, but we've transported it over. Uh, So the Omega Engine, Mark II Turbo, for the next few minutes, your armor transforms, getting bigger, brighter, or cooler in some way. You get plus one kick on all related actions and can roll to create a powerful room-sized force field, which requires focused concentration. So Dave, uh, you can mark the the appropriate boxes there on your sheet and you have created this opportunity for Angus. Angus, I think we're still going to get you to roll here. I don't think this force field completely eliminates the quantum strain, Mm -hmm. but I think a combination of of the force field and also just seeing Chester take this action and, and, you know, use burn this last resource uh, that that he has never attempted to burn before. Um, seeing seeing Chester make a sacrifice for you, like it, it's partially a, a mechanically, like you you feel less strain because of the force field, and partially like you're inspired, like almost bardic inspiration style by the the sacrifice <laughs> your, your good friend is making for you after everything you've been through. Um, and I think we're gonna give you plus one d six to this roll. Amazing. Yeah, give me a roll first, and then let me know what it is that you're attempting to acquire. Here we go. Five. Mixed success. So I believe we had established that's either advancing the threat clock or giving you a slam. Which is it, Angus? Let's advance that threat clock. Got one letter left. 
B-O-O has been marked, only the M remains. But it is, while a mixed success, it is a success. What is Angus going for? Uh, I think he goes for one of the hoverboards, and as he grabs it and tries to pull it from the mount, it is completely immovable. He can't move it at all. And he's perplexed for a moment, and maybe this is where the threat clock advances. It's taking longer than he wanted it to. And then he realizes there's a switch, uh, and he flicks the switch, and then the deck comes with him. (laughs) That sounds to me like the proximity anchor feature of the kinetic deck. You got it. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. You've got what you came for, and I think it's time to make your egress here. Uh, Chester and Angus, you both go barreling towards the door. That force field uh, eventually collapses and you both feel the strain in full again and and you need to get out as fast as you can. You begin making your way to that doorway that Angus, you found earlier using Lake Zampometer. Um, And I think as you do, there's a moment where you see like a quadrupedal uh, white plated robot come bouncing out from the shadows, almost like it materialized in this facility somewhere and has just been wandering around trying to get its bearings this whole time. Um, But Chester, you've still got your Omega engine engaged, so your armor is massive. You're like this robotic uh, kaiju creature. Um, And uh, a Jaeger, I guess it would be, for all you Pacific Rim nerds. Um, And you uh, uh, just backhand this thing into the wall, and it it explodes into components. Like, you just destroy it with a with a without a second thought um, and with that Angus and Chester go barreling towards the door back into Miper headquarters and with that it seems like all the pieces are are coming together everything's starting to line up you guys have almost achieved your goal here and I think that means that it's the perfect time for a disaster roll disaster roll 